You know, I really want to encourage you. Can you hear me okay? No, something's wrong, Alan. Uh, I really want to encourage you <laughs> to listen really well. <laughs> anyway, just so you know, every, every week we pray for people. Uh, we pray for churches, and it happened to be our week this week. And so, uh, also, I want to encourage you to sign up for Discovery Class. Now, we moved Discovery. Ah, there we go. Aha. That's good. I thought I was going to have to yell. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Alan. I thought I was going to have to yell through the service. And since I'll be yelling a lot tonight at my TV, uh, <laughs> I didn't want to lose my voice early. Anyway, <laughs> um, I want to encourage you. We, we moved Discovery class. We used to do it on Wednesday night, but a lot of people said Wednesday night doesn't work. So we moved it to Sunday morning right after the 11 o'clock service. It's going to be the 15th. That's two weeks. The weird part is somebody gave me tickets for the Kansas City Bronco game, which I am not going to be able to go to. The tickets are already taken, so don't come to me after the service. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to go to because I'm doing Discovery class. So if you don't show up, it's going to be a real bummer for me. <laughs> so uh, I just want to encourage you, haven't gone through Discovery class, it's awesome. And I promise to have you out and me out before the Bronco game starts, I promise. And because uh, I want to at least watch it on TV. So anyway, uh, uh, I just, I want to tell you, we're starting a new series called Heavenly Perspective. Basically seeing through the eyes of God. And uh, I believe this series is going to really help you over the next few weeks. And uh, I, I really feel, you know, we live on this planet, and this planet is not a great place to feel good because, you know, in fact, I just found out that it takes 10 positives to neutralize a negative. And for some reason, you know, we just receive negatives. And so we don't get God's perspective. You know, we see God's perspective in the Garden of Eden. We see it in heaven. But sometimes we don't get it. Now, I had an incredible experience about three years ago. I was up here on the stage. It was on a Sunday night with Leif Hetland, the guy I go to Pakistan with. And the power of God hit. And we were actually both down on the stage. And I had an incredible thing. And it was very brief. But I was taken up into heaven, or at least I had a glimpse into heaven. And, you know, I've told you about my dad many times. My dad was an orphan. He had a terrible, terrible life as a child. Just struggled all his life. Became a Christian very late in life. But even after he became, became a Christian, he was doing better, but he still struggled. And I always had a burden for him. And so I, I briefly went up into heaven, had a glimpse of my dad. My dad had this huge smile on his face. He looked totally different. He gave me two thumbs up, and he said, I got it, like that. And, and it just, you know, it, it, it did something for me on the inside. I can only tell you. Because only he... and. I say, later that night, I said to Yvonne, I said, do you think that was me doing that, just kind of concocting that? She goes, no, because you never even thought of your dad that way or saw him that way. She said, I know that you had a glimpse of him in heaven, and I did. And, and so I want you to know, when we get a heavenly perspective, it changes everything. And, you know, there's lots of things we go through, lots of struggles we go through here on earth. You know, um, a guy just told me at the door as he walked in, I said, how you doing? He said, not well. He said, my wife just served me divorce papers. And, you know, man, my heart broke. I mean, we go through a lot of pain here. We go through a lot of pain in, the, in this life. But I want you to know something. Somehow, some way, if we can have God's perspective, it really changes everything. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just want to say, first of all, 
um, you know, I, I want to talk about the way we see ourselves. Because it's amazing, you know, uh, I just know how people are because I know how I am. Many people will come up and say, wow, Pastor, that was a great service, and wow, that was awesome, and this was awesome. You know, and a lot of people, and then one person will say, well, we're leaving the church because blah, 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 whatever. And that one negative is, looms so large that it almost over-eclipses all the good things. And I, I want you to know God doesn't want that. And when we can have his perspective, because lots of times we feel bad about ourselves. We don't see ourselves the way God sees us. And, and uh, you know, the scripture says in Isaiah 55, uh, 8, and, 8 and 9, it says uh, that our thoughts are not his thoughts. Our ways are not his ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. You see, when we can begin to see through his eyes, it changes everything. It changes how we see ourselves. It changes how we see the world. It changes how we see others. It changes how we see the circumstances that we face in our life. And, and so, you know, I, I just want to just say that really the way we think, the way we feel, and the way we see ourselves is really our identity. Say identity. That's our identity. And oftentimes we don't have a good identity. And when we operate at that identity, you know, there's a scripture in in Proverbs 23.7, 23.7, that says, as a person thinks in their heart, and that, that Hebrew word actually means to beyond think, it means feel, experience in your heart, as you, you know, as you see yourself in your heart, that's how you are. And so that's why it's so important, because lots of times we don't see ourselves in the reality the way God sees us. Now, how many of you know Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life? So the way God or the way Jesus sees us is truth, amen? The way we see ourselves lots of times is not truth. And so as a result of that, sometimes we really struggle in this life. You know, uh, we had a, our life group met on Friday night, and uh, we just, we're, we're praying for a couple. Uh, she's going through chemo, uh, not chemotherapy, radiation therapy in Houston, battling cancer, so anyway, we called and we prayed, and our group was a little smaller. Not everybody was able to come. And so then we just began to pray each other. We began to talk. We began to share. And, and one of the priests said, you know, let's not watch the video. Let's just, and so we just, continued, we just hung out together, you know, and it was so neat. I felt like I didn't have to be Pastor JR. I was just JR. I was just hang, and we just hung out, had an incredible time together, just sharing our lives together, getting to know each other better, uh, just, you know, sometimes... <laughs> You know, all the activities, especially because my identity, I, you know, has gone, sometimes I'm Pastor JR, but that's not really my true identity, but sometimes I feel the responsibility of being Pastor JR, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and other times I just like it when I can just be JR. People often ask me, what should I call you? Should I call you Pat? I said, you know, you can call me, just, just call me JR. Oh, no, no, that's not honorable. I go, you know what? <laughs> that's who I am. <laughs> so you can call me Pastor JR if that's good, but I'm okay with JR, you know, I really am. And, uh, and, and I think, you know, the more comfortable we are with who we really truly are, you know, sometimes if we are success in something, that becomes our identity. I remember uh, when I was part of a championship undefeated football team in high school, uh, my identity was really locked up a lot in football. And when I got injured in college, uh, some of that identity went down, you know, and and so it's interesting how our identity, we can really lock into certain things. And sometimes we can lock into a false identity. 
Because, you know, our identity is formed oftentimes by parents, grandparents, by siblings, by friends, by teachers, by coaches. I remember my, my middle brother, uh, uh, I had, a, I had a, a good voice when I was in high school, and I, I sang a few lead parts or something. You know, I just, anyway, my, my middle brother followed me to the same school, and the, the music teacher said, said to him, you don't have a voice like your brother. And it devastated him because he loved to sing. And it still, I've talked to him about it since then. And he feels like just those words. And he has a good voice. That's not true that he doesn't have a good voice. And anyway, the Lord just said make a joyful noise anyway, right? He didn't say you had to have a good voice. And so, but I just saw how that really damaged him. And sometimes things are said to us. Like you'll never amount to anything. And it, it does something on the inside. Or somebody will say to us, you know, you know, or, gee, you know, you're, <laughs> I don't even know if I want to use this example. <laughs> Honey, how do I look in this dress? Well, if you say, <laughs> if you say overweight, <laughs> you're on the couch. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but, but lots of times, you know, because of the images on television and movies and everything, you know, people, like, especially women, I think, have to deal with, with the image a lot. And that's why there's a lot of, bulimia, and there's a lot of anorexia, and it's so sad because God loves you just the way he formed you, and you don't have to be skinny as a rail in order to be attractive, and uh, you don't have to have a full head of hair to be attractive. That's a <laughs> you know, because God sees you from the inside out, and so I just, I just want to say this morning, I believe God, we're going to have communion a little later, I believe God's going to really be changing your heart, and uh, you know, we were up at Youth with a Mission uh, this week. Now we're, we're up in Denver, Youth with a Mission. We're going to be down at, I'm going to be down at Colorado Springs Youth with a Mission uh, this, this week. It's a, it's a busy week. But uh, we had a really powerful night on our Holy Spirit night on Tuesday night. And uh, there was this girl that shared the next morning. And she had a real encounter with Jesus. And she said, you know, I always felt like I was too short, that I was too fat. I always felt this. And she said, you know, I looked in the mirror this morning. And I went, <laughs> I went, darn, girl, you look good, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I just, man, I just bless my heart, you know? Because that's the way God sees her. And she was very attractive, you know? It's just this image that she had taken on, this identity that was really a false identity. And, uh, you know, I just, I just want to say, uh, you know, I feel like, God is trying to heal us. And I want, I want to show you a video. It's just a, a minute, an hour and a half, a minute and a half video. A minute and a half video. Yeah, the Broncos aren't playing today, so I feel no pressure. Uh, they're not playing until tonight, so we can really go late. No, I'm just teasing. Anyway, uh, why don't you roll that video? Just watch, because there's a lot of truth in this. Who am I? Am I what I do? An artist? An accountant? A teacher? A mother? Or am I what I've achieved? An honor student, an MVP, a winner? Am I the things I've done right? Or am I defined by the things I've done wrong? Am I a saint? A sinner? What about what others think of me? Am I all of these things? None of these things? Who am I? How I identify myself determines how I approach life. If I am what I do, I'll always need to do more and achieve more to find my value. 
If I am what others say, I'll always try to please people instead of my Heavenly Father. But if I listen to who God says I am and embrace His identity in me, I'll find the freedom to live out all He has planned for me. God calls me His child. He says I am wise and restored, that I'm a brand new creation in Christ. I am chosen and holy and blameless before God. He calls me His masterpiece. I am loved by God. He says I am made complete through the grace and mercy of Jesus, my Savior. And when I see myself the way God sees me, I walk with confidence because I trust the one who answers the question, who am I? You know, uh, growing up with a dad who was an orphan uh, and being the oldest son, oldest child, Man, there was a lot of pressure on me to produce, to perform, to do it, you know. And, and no matter how well I do, my dad would never say, wow, that's great, son. Because he always, he felt like he needed to motivate me to higher levels. So as a result of that, I always felt like I fell short. And so, uh, you know, sometimes I still feel like, man, I just feel, sh I, feel I fall short. I fall short. I'm not, haven't done enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing this enough or not doing that enough. And, so this morning, I was just going over my notes and just asking the Lord, you know, uh, what I should do today. And he said, I want you right now to turn to Jesus Calling. And I go, Lord, I don't really have time for that. And he just said, I want you to do it. Anyway, <laughs> he doesn't understand that sometimes I'm busy. Anyway, <laughs> so, yeah, so this, I'm just going to read this part because it really ministered to me, having felt that part of me that is always falling short. So it says, do not be discouraged by the difficulty of keeping your focus on me. I know that your heart's desire is to be aware of my presence continually. This is a lofty goal. Your aim toward it, uh, you aim toward it, but never fully achieve it in this life. Don't let feelings of failure, or falling short, I'm adding here, feelings of failure weigh you down. Instead, try to see yourself as I see you. I thought, wow, that's amazing. Try to see yourself as I see you, First of all, I'm delighted by your deep desire to walk closely with me through your life, and I'm pleased each time you, you initiate communication with me. In addition, I notice the progress you have made since you first resolved to live in my presence. And, uh, you know, that's basically the main thing that I just want to share. But, but I thought, wow, you know, that is so good. And uh, it's funny how the Lord had me turn to that today. Uh, I haven't been reading my Jesus Calling for the last few days. And, and so, anyway, I, I really believe that's a word for many of you because uh, sometimes we feel short. You know, if a, if a guy loses his job, uh, he just feels like, because so much of our identity oftentimes is tied up to if we lose our job, regardless of the circumstances, it may be the company shut down, the company was poorly managed, and they had to let people go, but we feel like oftentimes like it's our fault. We failed, and we feel bad about ourselves. And uh, I don't know why we do this to ourselves. So I want to talk about three keys. I'm going to talk about three keys that have really helped me to deal with this. And, you know, I haven't arrived yet. Now, I feel better about myself. I'm seeing myself more and more the way God sees me. But I still, I still meet, uh, you know, periodically uh, with a counselor to help me in dealing with these areas. You say, Pastor, you're, you're still doing this? Yeah, I'm still... I'm still growing, you know. I mean, I still got areas that aren't healed yet, I, you know. And, and so I want to say it's okay. 
It's okay to have areas where God's still working on your life. I know sometimes we feel like, wow, it's Christians, man. Especially I've been a Christian as long as I have. Man, you need to have your stuff together. I almost said the wrong word there. Anyway, uh, but it's important to have your stuff together. Amen? And so, uh, and, and so but I just want to tell you, you know, it, it's a progress thing. You know, we're progressing. We're better than we were. You know, we're not what we will be, but we're better than we were. And so be encouraged. Be encouraged. Uh, I want to give you three keys, though. First of all is sometimes when you're feeling bad about yourself, number one, try to see what it is. What's the, what is triggering that in you? What thought or what feeling? What, what is it that's triggering that bad feeling in you? Now, for me, I'll just use me as an example. Uh, you know, I'm falling short. Something happens, and it doesn't go well, and, man, I'm falling short. I didn't do enough. I should have done this more. I did this more. And, and uh, so that's the first thing. You begin to get in touch with that. And then one of the things, if you can go, you know, just let yourself go back and see back maybe in your childhood or wherever you had that same feeling. I remember in third grade, my dad sat me down. And I, I, was, I missed more school than I attended in kindergarten and first and second grade. So I wasn't at the top of my class. My dad felt like I needed to be at the top of my class. He sat down. Mrs. Scudder was my teacher. They sat down in these little chairs. Their knees were up here. I still remember like it was yesterday. And he said, son, how you do now in school determines the quality of your life from here on out. You know, and, and man, it was like, whoa, this was heavy. From now on, man, I needed to produce. And uh, so now we're before school, I'd go and I was great at recess and, you know, some of the other things I wasn't so good at. <laughs> now all of a sudden there was this, all this pressure, you know, and so I just felt this incredible pressure. So sometimes when something doesn't go right, I, 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 it comes back again, oh, no. And, like, if I didn't do well on a test, my dad would go over and he'd say, man, you need to work harder. You need to do this. You need to do that. And, uh, and I remember I had all A's and two B's, and he goes, son, I think this was in fifth grade, and he was plotting my rise, and he goes, I know you can do better. I know you can get those two B's up instead of, wow, you did really great. You had all A's and two B's. It was, no, no, you can get those two B's up to A's. It was like I could never, I could never reach the bar. And so, and so you know, when I do that, when I see what that triggers, you know, uh, I recognize that. And then uh, the, the next thing to do is when you feel that, and usually your body will tell you that it's not true. You'll have anxiety or something, you know, you're, you'll feel bad. And that's your body telling you that, that it's, it's not true, it's a lie. And so you ask the question, is it true? Is this true? If there were 100 people lined up that knew you well, and you said, am I falling short? Am I falling short? Am I? Would 100 people say yes? Well, the answer is what? No. And so you realize it's not true. Now, here's the key part. The key part is that Jesus wants to take that lie and take it back to where it came from. You know who the source of all lies are, right? John 8, says Satan is the father of lies. And so he wants those lies out of our life. Why? Because he loves us. We're a new creation in Christ. And he loves us so much. And so you allow him to come in and begin to show you the truth. Now, it's not a mind game. It's just allowing him to really speak into your life. It's allowing him to come and and, and, you know, I went through this in, in a session where Jesus came down and he sat down. He sat down with Mrs. Scudder and my dad and me. And as my dad's talking, Jesus went over and he put his hand over my dad's mouth. <laughs> and I'm going, whoa. Now, I didn't make that up in my mind, you know. That was Jesus ministering to me. And he said, I don't want you to listen to that. That's not true. I love you just the way you are, just the way I formed you. 
you don't have to have the highest grades and be the best on the athletic field and, you know, be the best on the restaurant. You, I love you just the way I made you. I, I made you with a love for people. I made you, you know, and he just went on. And I want you to know there was something that happened on the inside, something that happened to my identity. Because I realized that I can just be me and I can be the person God's made me and he loves me the way I am. And I got to tell you, so it's so important you know, when the Holy Spirit ministers to you, you know, or Jesus ministers to you in this way, it's so important to receive it. It's so important to allow him because he's changing us. See, when we realize that when Jesus Christ came into our life, the Holy Spirit came to live in us, and so he's doing a work in, in us where he's changing us and making us more like Jesus. Do you think Jesus ever walked around on the earth and said, man, man, I had 5,000 people and only five got healed. I, I just really fell short today. You know, and I mean, do you think Jesus walked around feeling he fell, fell short? You know, the guy that was healed at the gate uh, in chapter 3 of Acts was healed by Peter and John when they went by and jerked him up. You know that Jesus walked by there many times and that man was not healed? You think Jesus went, oh man, I really blew it. I didn't heal. You know, now it says he healed everybody of every sickness and disease, but there were people you know, that, and think about it. Sometimes Jesus went off in the wilderness when the, wil- when the crowds were waiting for him. Do you think he found, oh, man, I'm so tired. I got to go off with my father. Oh, man, I've fallen short again. Do you think Jesus ever felt that way? What do you think? Absolutely not. And so it's really important to really let, just let the Holy Spirit really minister to you. And it's really important to also let the word of God find entrance into your heart. You know, David said in Psalm 119, I think it's verse 11, he said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I would not sin against you. You know, there's a lot of ways you can look at sin. Sin is just missing the mark. Hamartia is the Greek word. Uh, one way is missing the mark is not seeing yourself the way Jesus sees you. Now, that's not like nasty sin, you know, or sin that we talk about. But when you miss the mark, you're missing the mark when you're seeing yourself or thinking about yourself not the way God or Jesus sees you. And so, so I just want to give you some scriptures. You know, there's scriptures that I quote, but I, it's not enough to quote the scripture. It's not enough to read the scripture. It's important to get it down in your heart. Psalm 139 verse, verse 14 says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I want you to say that with me. Say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, there's nobody like you. Just like there's no two snowflakes alike, there is nobody like you. Nobody that has your same DNA. There's nobody made like you. And, and God loves you so much just the way you are. Uh, another scripture that I really like is, uh, is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, and and, it, says, uh, it, and it, says, it says, I'm a new creation in Christ. Say that. So I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. See, that's what's happening. And then just a little further on verse 21, it says, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Say that. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. That means I'm not defined by my past. My past, which is not pretty, my past does not define who I am. What defines who I am is Jesus Christ, who's imparted his righteousness to me. He's put his past from me as far as the east is from the west. And so all that stuff is behind me. Now I can learn from that, but that doesn't bring me down. That doesn't say, oh man, I blew it when I was in my 20s. I really messed up. And, you know, I blew it this week and I blew it, you know. You know what? Those things are behind me. 
And I did blow it this week, by the way, which I'm not going to tell you about. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but I'm going to receive communion and get deeper forgiveness for it. <laughs> we sh I shared with my life group how I blew it. Anyway, they were laughing. Anyway, <laughs> but, uh, oh, another scripture. Put up uh, Psalm 17.8. I love this. Psalm 17.8. Uh, you know, and it's oftentimes important to personalize the scripture. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. And uh, the truth is that <laughs> you are the apple of his eye. Say, I am the apple of his eye. And he hides me in the shadow of his wings. So his protection is there for me. You know, in other words, you know, he cares about us so much. And so we let that word penetrate and break off some of the garbage, you know. And uh, I think, oh, there's a lot of scriptures. You know, one of them is when you feel rejected. And we all feel rejected in this world. You all go through rejection. Ephesians 1.6 says, I'm accepted in the beloved. So you know what? Others may reject me, but God through Jesus Christ never does. And so I'm accepted in the beloved. If I'm accepted with him, I can handle rejection. I don't like rejection, but I can handle it. Amen? And you can handle it. Say, I can handle rejection because I'm accepted in the beloved. It's so important to see that. When you get that down deep, it really helps in those times. Basically what's happening it's Romans 12, 2, you know, which says, don't be conformed to this world. This world will beat you up. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, it's allowing, and, and that's your emotions, your mind, your psyche, your soul. There's a renewing that's happening. I want to give you the scripture. You can turn with me to Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 14. <laughs> and uh, I want you to really see this because this is who we really are. You know, uh, really at the base of everything, uh, we're not, you know, the vice president of sales. Uh, we're not the, you know, just a housewife. We're not just a businessman or woman. We're not just a teacher. We're not just a pastor. We're not just any of those things. We're much more than that. And uh, so uh, if you have found Romans 8, verse 14, uh, we're going to start with that. It says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Say, I'm a child of the living God. In other words, it's really important to see this because when you realize, when you have the Spirit of God, when you become a Christian, you have the Spirit of God in you, and as you allow him to direct you and lead you, you know, the fact is that you're his child. And then it goes on to say this. So you have, and I'm reading from the NLT, actually. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. See, the world would try to enslave you. The enemy would try to enslave you bring you thoughts, patterns that really enslave you, bring fear, anxiety, worry, and just, you know, really paint a wrong picture of you. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own child. Did you hear that? You were adopted by God as his own child. Now, that's heavy. Now, we call him Abba Father, the most intimate term. We have an intimate relationship with our Father God. I don't care how bad a relationship you have with your father. I had a terrible relationship with my dad until the very end of his life. And we had a terrible relationship. But you know what? No matter how bad a relationship you may have had with your earthly father, you have an incredible, incredible, incredible relationship with your heavenly father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. Now, if you're his heirs, you realize that everything he has is yours. I'm talking about the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the gentleness, the self-control, the cattle on a thousand hills. You can throw that in there. I mean, everything he has is yours. 
When you realize that, you won't feel unworthy, you won't feel poor, you won't feel weird, you won't feel like you're a jerk, you'll feel like you're his child, because that's true. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Do you hear that? We're heirs of his glory. That means we experience his glory here, just we taste it here, and then we get to experience it forever and ever and ever. Now, if that isn't good news, I don't know what is. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. They would have to throw that in. Anyway, <laughs> but let me say this. His suffering was he struggled. he struggled. He struggled with rejection. He struggled with betrayal. He struggled with, you know, he was with pain, physical pain when he was crucified. He struggled with a lot of things. He struggled with a lot of things. So guess what? He was saying, you're going to have to share in that suffering because you live here on earth. If you live on planet earth, but it's okay because you're his child. And so the reality is you are his. What's your true identity? I am. You are a child of God. I want you to say that. I am a child of God. That's who I really am. You see, when you realize that, it puts everything else in the right perspective because that's the way God sees you. When he looks down upon you, he sees you as his beloved child. He's crazy about you. And if you understand how crazy it is about you, that changes everything. It changes the way you relate. It changes the way you are. In fact, I want you to say that. I've got you to repeat a lot of things today, but I'm hoping to get it from here to here. You know, when that guy went to the moon, Jim Irwin, I think it was, when he went to the moon, he said, the greatest distance man has to travel is not from the earth to the moon. It's from the 18 inches from his head to his heart. And I believe that's the place where we got to get it. And so I want you to say this to me. Uh, I want you to turn to your neighbor, in fact, and say, I want you to know that God is crazy about you. Now, I want you to tell that same person, say, I want you to know that God's also crazy about me. Now, how many of you say it's a lot easier to tell them that God was crazy about them than crazy about you, right? Yeah, yeah. But the truth is, they're both total truths. God is so crazy about you, and he's so crazy about that person sitting next to you. And when you begin to realize that, that's how much he loves you. You know, I have some other stuff, but I'm going to stop here, and uh, I'm going to come back and share this another time. But uh, I just hope this really helps. I'm going to bring Lindy up. Lindy was, uh, we had several people ministering with us uh, at, at YWAM, uh, Denver, and Lindy shared something that I wanted her to share, and then we're going to go into communion. So, um, so go ahead. Do you and, mind if I sit and here? And I have the... 20 minutes, right? No. <laughs> what did I tell you? <laughs> you told me 12. <laughs> no. I said 10 to 12. So. You, no, no. Anyway. I only heard 12. <laughs> well, maybe we're just, we just reduced it to 10 because we got to receive communion. So. <laughs> oh, thanks. Okay. <laughs> um, what I wanted to share was the point of um, the, one of the three aspects of what Pastor is sharing is being able to love others, to see others as God sees them. And to make it legal, you know, I want to uh, give you Romans 13, and I'm going to read 8 through 10. It says, let no debt, now a debt, remain outstanding except for the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet it. And then whatever other commands there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. 
Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So what the Lord had shown me was, how do we view people? How do we see others? And I'm not just talking about your neighbor that you might say hi, you know, when the garage door goes up and run in the house or whatever. Um, but I'm talking about, what about your neighbor that's offended you? What about your neighbor that has hurt you? What about your neighbor that has betrayed you? What about that type of a neighbor? You wouldn't even call them a neighbor. You'd call them an enemy, right? You know, well, I'm just disregarding them. They're not in my life anymore. Forget it. But what you don't understand is what that does between you and the Lord. He called it a debt. It's, you know what a debt is? Something you owe someone. Something you are bound. You're bound to. You know, and I know we have mortgages and car payments or whatever. And you're like bound to that until the contract is up, right? Five years, 15, 30, whatever it is. You're bound to it. How do we look at all those that have hurt us? I remember whining to the Lord one time about being betrayed again. And the Lord saying, you know, until you've been betrayed as much as my son has, let's not go there. And I'm like, oh, okay, I got it. I understand, you know, being left at the cross with a few people. Where was everybody else? Where were the thousands that he touched and healed? Where were they? So when we can see our neighbor, our enemy, with the eyes of God, see them like he sees them. He doesn't see the outside. He doesn't see like he doesn't see in you all your sin and all your stuff. He sees, like Pastor was just saying, the child that he created. <laughs> Bullies, you know, even at work or wherever we are, they bully because they're hurt, because they are broken. So they're hurt and they're broken and they're taking out their actions on you or whoever's around them. So how do we react? That's the only thing we can be accountable for is how we react to them. There's nothing we can do to change that person, but there's so much we can do to change our own heart, to see them like God sees them through love, because that you owe them. He says you owe to love. You owe to love that person that has hurt you over and over. I remember um, I was married for 28 years, then we were separated for five years, and the first two years, lots of, you know, dealing with hurt and pain and all that stuff. And going in, what well, was kind of the end of the second year, I remember the Lord telling me there was a situation. My ex's um, mother was dying. And so I stepped right in, you know, to help in any way that I can. As long as I didn't have to um, see him or be around him or connect. As long as I could keep that wall there, I was good, I thought. And God said, why can't you love him like you love everybody else? Ugh. Lord, what are you asking? I know what he was asking. Why can't, why can't you love him like you love everybody else in the church? Why can't you love him as a brother? I was like, you want me to pull out my list? You know, I, I don't, have you not been here all these years? Have you not seen? And the Lord's like, why can't you? And I was like, okay. I knew what he was asking of me. And I said, okay, I can only do it through your love. I need that supernatural love because I only have human love, and that kind of love wants to hurt them, you know, lay hands on them, 
suddenly, you know, that kind of a thing. That's how I felt. Seriously, I'm being honest. You know, I didn't want to have to deal with them. I said, then I need your love, Daddy. So my father, since I was open and said, okay, do what you need to do, he came in and he took layers and layers of hurt, of pain, of deception, betrayal, you name it. He took it off. And it really felt like I was going through heart surgery. I mean, it hurt. It literally hurt. It felt like a heart attack is what it felt like, the pain of it in the physical. But I knew what he was doing. And then he gave me a love that I could not come up with. I could not manufacture. I couldn't do anything to have that kind of love. It was his love. And it was a love that was supernatural. It's a love that, you know, you see Heidi Baker walk in. You see Leif Hetland walk in. This, people, people just want a hug from them because they can feel the love of Christ. It's the love that Jesus walked on this earth with. That's why people were drawn to him, because he just oozed of this supernatural love. So my heavenly father filled me with that. So I could love, and there wasn't any hurt. I could love, and there wasn't any more offenses. I could love him as anyone else I could. And that's what I feel <laughs> Papa's saying today, Daddy's saying today, you know what? And with communion, I know JR will get into all this. We have to be able to see all of those the way Christ sees him. And he sees them through love. The love, the blood of Jesus is how he sees each one of us. Redeemed, healed, cleansed, forgiven, loved, beautiful, accepted. That's how he sees us. That's how he wants us to see. So there is not an offense. There is not a hurt. There is not a pain. There is not, oh, you know what? I'm not going to get too close because, boy, you know, my heart will, I'll get rejected. That puts a wall between you and the Father, whether you know it or not. It puts a wall between you and him when you have a wall between you and others. Let the Father come in and take those walls down. We owe it to him. We owe it to each other. That brings that supernatural unity and a supernatural love. Forgive, let it go, because it's not worth it. And there's so much freedom in releasing. There's so much freedom in forgiving. No matter what they've done, it's not as bad as what has happened to the son. Amen. Amen. Good. Very good. Thank you, Lindy. So it's really important to recognize that we've got to see ourselves, we've got to see others the way God sees us and the way God sees other people. I did want to mention something I forgot, because um, people will ask me, well, what form of prayer or counseling or ministry have you been involved in for about a year now? Uh, and it's called Theophostic. That's what I've been doing. I've been doing Theophostic. Also did a little Sozo, too, as well. And they're both extremely good for dealing with these kind of things if you're dealing with them. So... Just want to encourage you, and we have both. So uh, anyway, I want to pray for you because we're going to receive communion, and I believe God's going to come and supernaturally minister to each and every person here today through, through the elements. And so I believe that if you're struggling, maybe with feeling bad about yourself in whatever area, I believe as you receive what represents the broken body of Jesus, 
and then, and then what represents his shed blood, I believe that there's going to be an encounter where he's going to really begin to change the way you see yourself. If there's somebody you need to forgive, like Lindy needed to forgive her ex and, and walk through that. If there's somebody that, maybe it's somebody in the past, maybe it's somebody this week who just blew you out of the water, you know, this is the time to deal with it because you're harboring any kind of resentment toward them is only going to hurt you, it's not going to hurt them. And so Jesus said, because I've forgiven you, you must also forgive. So I want you to not receive this in a religious way. I want you to receive it in a relational way where he can come and minister life. Now, on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And by the way, if you can't break gluten bread, there's gluten-free uh, wafers back there in that little thing back there right by the door. So he broke, he broke that bread, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Now I want you to take and eat this in remembrance of, of me. He was foreshadowing the fact that his body was going to be broken so that we might be whole. And out of his brokenness comes our wholeness. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray that as people receive what represents the broken body of Jesus, I pray they will have a new revelation of how much you love them, of how they're your child, it's not about their accomplishments or their lack of accomplishments. It's not about their mess-ups or even the things they've done right. It's all about you and their relationship with you. So I pray for a strengthening of that. I pray for revelation. And we come right now and thank you. We receive it in Jesus' name. Now I want you to go ahead and receive what represents the broken body, and then we'll come back and drink the cup, and that's where we'll deal with forgiveness for ourselves or others.